Customer experience. It's what sets some of the best companies apart from the rest, yet it can often be hard to achieve. Tune in every other month as we uncover the secrets behind great customer experience. This is Experience Better, the CX Podcast. Payment experiences have certainly changed over the past few decades. Innovative technology and evolving customer expectations have transformed how we pay for goods and services. Cash, check, and credit card used to be the go-to payment methods for customers, but they're not the norm for most these days. And in this episode of Experience Better, we talk to Ben Murphy, Director of Strategy and Transformation at Kubra, about what's new in the world of payments. Now, Ben, before I welcome you, um, hello and welcome to the show. Well, there you go. I did welcome you. But please tell everybody a little bit about what it is that you do. You're you know, the Director of Strategy and Transformation. Give us a little bit of detail about what's the life, the day in the life of Ben in terms of you know, what it is you're looking to do and achieve and, and look out for in your day-to-day activities. Yeah, Scott, thanks for having me. Um, so you know, my role effectively is to really keep a pulse on the market, understand what the market trends are, consumer habits, um, and really help inform our long-term strategy at Kubra, where we should be placing our bets, where we should be investing in order to ensure our client's success. Perfect. And, and, you know, that's exactly what I was looking for, because everything we're going to talk about today is basically fruits of your labors from the past, you know, 24, 18 months type of thing to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, having said that, what are the most recent trends and, and, you know, when it comes to bill payments these days? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, consumers more than ever want choice, you know, the days are past where consumers are, are choosing between a credit card and an ACH um, for bill payments. And as consumers' financial relationships continue to be spread across more and more banking apps and fintech and digital-only banks, right? they, they want to leverage those same capabilities in a bill pay setting. So we're seeing that, that need for choice and flexibility um, and a lot of it starts with what consumers are seeing at the checkout for more traditional retail experiences. And they want that same experience and those offerings, same pay buttons, wallets, all that um, in terms of bay- bill pay options. Yeah, so crypto and buy now, pay later are being perfect examples of that, right? Increasingly, consumers are using those payment offerings at the point of sale. Now they want them to pay their bills. Um, a lot of times in a different context, and we'll get into the weeds a little bit more on how we see those new offerings playing out. Um, but again, it, it's following the same track of what they're seeing when they pay online with what they're looking for when they pay a bill. Right, and and you said it, you know, flexibility. I know, you know, the term crypto has, has been around for a while in terms of payments. Buy now, pay later is something that is recent to sort of the payment landscape. Uh, and that's something I sort of wanted to talk about. And I appreciate you sort of creating that segue. So buy now, pay later is definitely gaining in popularity. And I, I read somewhere that 30% of consumers, you know, reportedly having used uh, buy now, pay later to finance a purchase. And, you know, something upwards of 10, 11% are interested in using it moving forward. So how does this translate to bill payments? I mean, obviously buying goods, a higher ticket item, buy now, pay later is very effective in terms of budgeting. And and how does that translate to the bill payment industry? Yeah, we think it it does translate. Absolutely. I think just, you know, from the amount of, of volume and to your point, the adoption you're seeing with buy now, pay later 
it's effectively become a, an alternative to you know credit card. It's a new credit offering, and consumers are going to want that same capability uh, in a bill pay setting. Um, the use case and drivers are going to be a little bit different. You know, as you mentioned, in a more traditional retail payment, buy now, pay later um, scenario, consumers more often buying a, a discretionary purchase, something that you know they'd prefer to just kind of uh, push out over a number of, of weeks. Generally, you know, this is a pay in for pay in, in two installment or I'm sorry, right. four installments um, over four payments. But you know, when you look at it from a, a bill pay lens, it's solving a different consumer problem. Most notably, you know, these are bills that that have to be paid. So you're looking at cash flow issues for specific consumers that, for instance, may be behind on their water bill. They've got a really high one-time water or electric bill, and they want to spread those payments out over four installments. So that's really the the problem that's being solved um, for the consumer. And then, you know, on the biller side of things, there also be, has to be an incentive aligned to the consumer expectation. And, and the way we see that is, you know, generally these buy now, pay later offerings are, are charging two to 5% of the ticket value. So, you know, why would a biller want to pay the, you know, that rate? Um, well, again, it goes back to targeting those specific consumers that may otherwise miss their payment. And, you know, 5% is not a whole lot to pay for your good funds up front when you can avoid all the collection costs, call center uh, activity, emails, notifications, trying to get a consumer to, to pay their bill. So we, we see it being a, a very practical offering um, for those specific consumers. Yeah, w- without question. And I know many utilities have put a lot of time and effort into their collections and delinquent uh, accounts in terms of, of helping customers and communicating to customers so they don't go to delinquency, which means they don't have to be shut off and turned back on. And every time you do one of those things, flip one of those switches, there's a cost associated by the utility, of course. So, you know, I know we're going to get into that in a little greater detail. So in terms of buy now, pay later, obviously it's a trend. Uh, there's definitely some stickiness to it. It's something I saw as a kid. I think we used to call it layaway or something like that, where, you know, you'd my parents would put money away for a sofa or something like that. Um, do you see the stickiness continuing in, in our post-pandemic world? Absolutely. You know, to your point, consumer habits don't easily change, but when they do, they, they rarely turn back. And I think given the, the consumer interest and the adoption numbers we've seen combined with the market validation in terms of big household brands, Apple, PayPal getting into the space, um, you know, it, it's not going to be going away and, and with more and more providers popping up, um, it's become, you know, the expectation going forward. I would say the, the, the big wild card is around regulation. There's been a lot of uncertainty and scrutiny in some sense around the practices of some of these bound, buy now, pay later providers. In general, they're not reporting the consumer payments to the credit bureaus. So the, the thought is that consumers are accumulating more and more debt that's not being reported in. Um, but I think that's more of a short-term issue, something that'll be worked out. If you look at all the leading brands and buy now, pay later, they're working with regulators coming up with different ways for the, the consumers to actually build a, a better credit history, leveraging buy now, pay later. So again, I, I certainly don't see this as a, a, a roadblock to buy now, pay later long-term. 
Yeah, and and you know, I, I know different verticals and industries sort of need to manage this themselves. I know if you know you're paying a car loan, you can't use debt on debt. You can't use a credit card, you know, to pay your car payment type of thing. And um, it'd be interesting to see how this unfolds over time because it is so new, and we're seeing it unfold, you know, in real time, pretty much. So, you know, the next thing I want to talk about is real time payments. And, you know, we all know about real-time payments. It's sort of in the name. It's, you know, instant gratification from a payment standpoint. But traditionally, this is not applied to bank payments. It's been credit card, painless debit type payments, which where you get that real-time validation. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because this is also something that's new and hitting the market and, and people are talking about it. And, and what are the applications? What do we need to look out for as, as this, again, continues to unfold? Yeah, sure. So, you know, real-time payments is an area we spend a lot of time thinking about working with various stakeholders to understand how to bring a solution to market. You know, I think to level set, first of all, around RTP, that you know, the connotation around it, there's kind of two meanings. You know, RTP is technically the coined term from the clearinghouse's real-time payment network they launched in 2017. So, you know, you've got that capability that's out there in the market slowly gaining momentum and then you have the fed launching fed now next year as their own competing real-time rail and so you know while there's these two competing real-time networks they are very much similar in characteristics they're bank-to-bank payments so they're based off of a consumer's bank account number um you know by definition they're obviously real-time so it's almost in a sense very similar to ACH in that they're bank account-based payments, but instead of having two to three days to, to settle, um, they're completely real-time. And outside of just the, the infrastructure level of you know a, a new real-time rail, I think what's really unique about the capability is that you have one single transaction that includes both the, the money movement piece and the bill data or the remittance information. And that becomes a huge differentiator, especially for billers that are used to having to reconcile checks coming in and then applying them to a specific consumer's account. Um, so it is more than just you know real-time bank account payments. Um, on top of that, there's the ability to build new customer experiences because I think just at an infrastructure level, Real-time payments, making a, a, a payment from your bank account, you know, should be real-time. It's not going to be that revolutionary to the consumer right? without a new experience on top of it. So that's where the clearinghouse and both the Federal Reserve are launching what's referred to as request for pay. And basically, since these payments are credit push payments, meaning a, a biller can't just pull funds out of a consumer's checking account once a month, they have to actually ask the consumer to authorize the release of funds. And so the model that is, uh, again, referred to as request for pay, that biller sends a request and it goes through the consumer's main mobile banking application. So if you bank with Bank of America or City, whatever it might be, you would get a, a notification through your mobile app asking if you'd like to pay your bill in full, pay part, um, again, with all the bill details included in that notification, and the consumer effectively authorizes those funds. They are transmitted 
real time to the biller. And what's really revolutionary is that the consumer, again, is, is developing this experience through their banking institution, but they can also get real-time confirmation that the payment went through, which is something you don't get when a consumer makes a, a bill payment through their bank today, where generally it's, it's either a check that's being written or ACH, which again takes two to three days. And so that consumer doesn't even really know when their bill is being paid and if they paid it on time at the biller's actual you know, website. So, um, so that's really where I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity to, to redesign the consumer experience. Yeah, without question. And, and I think this you know, request for pay is, is really going to sort of, again, change the payment landscape because it's very much power to the people. To your point, you know, organizations will go in and pull funds from my bank account. I now have the power to sort of manage my own destiny, so to speak, from my bank account and allow people to go in and take money out of my account and approve it. So it's, uh, I think I'm very curious to see how this sort of unfolds as we move forward because, uh, uh, you know, the whole world is, again, changed and, and we're taking controls of our own destiny uh, in a lot of ways and, and finances and, and, you know, where the money goes from our bank account and having control over that and visibility to it is, is huge as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, that's my, my humble opinion. So there's a lot uh, in the value proposition to real-time payments, both for billers and consumers. Why don't you, could you elaborate a little bit on both sides of that sort of spectrum on, on where the value is, is, is coming from or, you know, for these different groups? Sure. So on, on the biller side, and, you know, just to be clear, generally a, a RTP transaction is going to cost a little bit more than an ACH transaction, right? So you have to be adding some sort of increased value to get adoption. And, and largely that value is derived through the fact that these are, are good funds. They, Since they are instantly available to the biller, that means you have no chargebacks. You have no exception processing. Um, again, the ease of reconciliation because the bill data is traveling with the, the payment itself leads to a whole lot of back office operational efficiencies um, that really, again, justify not a significant cost of ACH, but um, really a, a revolutionary capability in, in terms of those efficiencies that, that uh, the billers can drive. Um, then on the consumer side, you know, it really goes back to if you look at you know, bill pay in general, right, there's two main models. You can pay through your bank, you can pay directly on the biller's website. This is kind of a hybrid between both. And so you get the, the best of both worlds in terms of, you know, the consumers often are going to the biller's website because they want real-time confirmation that the, the bill went through, but they always don't know, do they have you know, sufficient funds in their checking account? And so that's where you get into non-sufficient fund fees, which are mm -hmm. eliminated in this model. So for the right. consumer, you get the real-time confirmation, your bill went through, and you know you're you're doing it through your your bank application, um, so you know that you've got the funds there and they're they're validated that you have those funds before the payment even goes out. Yeah, and, and you know I would imagine there is a premium cost for real time payments, um, but like anything, you get what you pay for, particularly if you're talking about that customer segment who is scheduled for disconnection or who is delinquent on their utility bill, owes a owes some money. 
And, you know, I know right now with, with ACH payments, we have the ability to send a real-time post to the utility, letting them know that, hey, Scott Thompson initiated a payment, but you don't really know if my payment's gone through for another, you know, two, three days type of thing. So in this instance, in that customer segment who are scheduled for disconnection, knowing that those funds are in uh, and, and you know, good funds immediately eliminates, to your point, all that back office oh, we need to go schedule from the disconnection. And if we're not on, you know, smart meters, we got to send a truck out there to, to, you know, flip the switch. And if they pay, then we got to send another truck back out there to turn them back on again. And that cost, obviously, every time you get somebody to do something or drive somewhere, there's time, there's cost, there's, you know, uh, opportunity costs associated to that. So um, definitely a lot of value here in a lot of ways. So, okay, the last thing I sort of wanted to jump into is cryptocurrency and crypto, 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 blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. It, it's on every street corner, every magazine, every show, every program. Everybody's talking about it. Not a lot of people really know the sort of the guts and plumbing of crypto and how, um, you know, this currency is related to technology and a technology shift and all this kind of stuff. So um, what about cryptocurrency? What you know, where is the rubber hitting the road here? And, and, you know, tell us, you know, demystify, I guess, Ben, a little bit uh, of this for us. Sure, absolutely. You know, and, and again, for us, it goes back to consumer choice and trying to mirror those experiences that consumers are having in, in, at other retail settings. Um, as you're seeing cryptocurrency more and more offered, Visa and MasterCard have lots of initiatives out there. Same with the merchant acquires to bring crypto um, at the point of sale. And so, you know, for us, we've spent a lot of time looking at, at how to enable this with our own um, existing experience. I think for consumers, it's very clear that they're holding more and more crypto in various wallets. And so if we could connect those wallets into our existing workflows and, and sort of checkout experience, we believe that's a win-win uh, for consumers as well as for billers. You know, on the biller side of things, they are, again, looking to offer a consumer choice, but even further, the processing rates uh, for cryptocurrency transactions are well below right. card rates. Right. right. So it's really well a, below, yeah. So from the consumer's perspective, again, the research shows more and more they're holding cryptocurrencies. And to really evolve from kind of where we are right now, they're looking for the infrastructure to enable them to, to use them for other use cases. So for paying a bill, right? And so, you know, we've spoken to billers, we've worked in, you know, we're working with the processor right now. And the value proposition of the biller is really around, you know, getting those, those funds up front, um, integrating into their existing backend, having that single integration point through Kubra. Um, on top of that, you know, I should just call out that, the, the biller is never touching cryptocurrency, right? right? So these processors immediately convert the crypto into fiat, um, and that, you know they're at very competitive rates. Um, and you know another, you know notable uh, opportunity we have found within crypto is ability to offer miners uh, the ability to pay through cryptocurrencies. So today, if you're a miner, you're obviously using a, a lot of electricity and you're going to have very substantial electric bills um, so why would you want to transfer your cryptocurrencies out of your your wallet and 
in your checking account just to make a bill payment when you could just do it directly right. Right. You know, through, through your wallet. And again, that's the experience that we've envisioned and we're building on right now is to have a kind of a wallet checkout option. Very familiar with you know crypto holders that use you know those for other retail purchases. It's a, the same Kubra experience where you're selecting a wallet instead of you know PayPal or a credit card. Um, and so it's very intuitive for the consumer to use. Yeah, and I just want to, you know, a point of clarification. That's miners and mining as M-I-N-I-N-G, not M-I-N-O-R. So crypto miners are, are people who use computers uh, to solve complex computations to, uh, I guess, mine cryptocurrency, in which case, once you've mined it, it's now part of your, your overall wallet, and then you can use it to buy stuff with. So I just... Wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page there, not talking about a young, you know, preteens out there churn, churning through electricity, electricity in their bedroom playing <laughs> games or whatever. Um, again, because that's an aspect of crypto that not a lot of people are aware of. So, okay, so we've talked about buy now, pay later. We've talked about real time payments. We've talked about crypto. You know, is Kuber considering these new payment options? And the fact that you know you're even here talking about this with us, Ben, and, and that you're employed to look out for things like this. I already know the answer, but, you know, let's expand on that a little bit as, as to, you know, why are we doing it? Sure. So, yes, we have solidified agreements with a number of leading strategic partners to bring these capabilities to market. You know, we've gone through a rigorous process that, you know, really requires all these partners to meet our own demands in terms of, again, the ability to make it a seamless, frictionless, intuitive customer experience, simple you know, API integration into our existing solutions so the, the biller doesn't have any further complex integration requirements, you know, and then the economics have to work for everyone. So we've, we've kind of thought through all, th all three of those areas and, and believe that um, you know, we've got a, a very innovative uh, roadmap coming along. Yeah, and you know, more cool stuff in the last couple of years than we've seen in the last two decades or three decades sort of combined. So uh, the world's a very fascinating place right now. The payment landscape is very fascinating. You know, no moss growing there. Um, and just, you know, really cool stuff as we continue to see these things unfold and, and it's really exciting. So, you know, Ben, now we sort of get to the the part of the program, you know, where your customer experience podcast and and we always like to ask our guests about an incredible customer experience that they may have had that is worthy of sharing with with the listeners so i'm going to throw you on the spot and and have you uh if you can or would like to tell us a little bit tell us an instance that you know was had some stickiness with you in terms of an overall customer experience yeah so there, there, there's one that that comes to mind um that that was pretty exceptional customer experience until i got to the payment piece of it. So anyways, just to give a little bit of background, um, I was doing a bathroom remodel, contractor comes in, is able to kind of assess all the hardware and, and, and fees that are going to be included within 24 hours, comes back with an itemized uh, email and, and PDF showing the entire quote. Eventually, you know, we completed the project and, you know, I got uh, an invoice sent directly to my email, pay the invoice. And then there's a, a pay with button if you want to pay your invoice. And I got to that step and it was grayed out. The, the contractor didn't actually offer you know, the ability to pay the invoice. And you know, I spoke to him kind of offline about why not. And I, I think it goes back to you know, 
the whole conversation around real-time payments, you know, that you didn't want to pay the, the 1% ACH fee, right. I think maybe one and a half percent fee. Um, and so, you know, I see that all over today, even like our, our HOA neighborhood payments, they don't take ACH because, you know, QuickBooks charges one and a half percent. And so, um, so again, I think we're, we're seeing that evolution of software embedded into payments. Um, we're going to continue to see that in terms of bill payments where consumers are looking to make payments through new interfaces. Um, and I think the payments themselves, again, real-time payments have to be able to better solve for the current you know, ACH model, which again, um, if you can add some value around you know, chargebacks, not having to um, worry about a check bouncing when you know you, you pay a contractor you know thousands of dollars for a bathroom remodel so it's really again adding those value adds that we talked about around the payment itself i think sure. will kind of get us to the next evolution of, of payments yeah yeah you know definitely still evolving and you know we talk about high ticket items i i know firsthand what a bathroom remodel goes for i did one myself and you know a uh, lot of sweat equity but a lot of those materials don't come cheaply and you know 1.5 percent uh on a big ticket item when it could have been maybe a flat fee if over x dollars would be a little more palatable for you know the people at home who are balancing checkbooks and and are on budget billing and have children and expenses and you know elderly living with us or whatever your situation is uh but i just think that's cool to see technology you know continuing to evolve and 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 you know show itself in things like this like a bathroom remodel with a general contractor and it's you know, it's just indicative of, of, you know, the world is what the world has experienced in the last couple of years and, and where we're going. It's great stuff. And, and Ben, really appreciate having you on. Look forward to having you back with us again in, in some time, you know, as the new new emerging payment options, you know, show their, show their, their heads and, and we can speak about them. But just wanted to thank you today. Everything. It was it was fantastic. Appreciate your time. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Scott. You got it. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and continue the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at Kubra Way. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Thank you, everyone.